Good evening, everyone. I want to begin by talking a bit about states of mind. States of mind. So, uh, any and every possible state of mind is accessible to us, is available to us. Indeed, like how could we be separate from embodying any possible energy or any possible mind state? So hopefully, intuitively, this makes some sense. Any state of mind is accessible to us. So sometimes when, um, maybe we've all had this experience or can at least relate to it, um, we come into the Zendo or even on Zoom, we see someone sitting, especially... Um, in a focused manner or still, and that helps us. So we can just resonate with that person's energy and that person's focus, and from there feel some of that ourselves and then continue to embody that. So similarly, when someone inspires us with their way of being or mind state in general or even in a particular moment, we can fathom that. We can feel that in the body. We can grok it. And sometimes this is very um, quick and easy and just seeing the person in the zendo we come to that knowledge um we can embody a similar energy and sometimes you know just because of karma you know whatever stuff we might personally have in the way of accessing whatever energy we want to access there's um something to sit through um, or feel through, or some kind of barrier. Some kind of barrier. And I want to mention here that we can do this kind of work. Um, you know, usually I find myself doing it as I've just described, so with, with some inspiring um, figure or um, even person in a particular moment, some inspiring mind state that I know is possible because this other person has embodied it. So if this other person has embodied it, it is also possible for me, also possible for you. Um, we can also do this with, because we are not separate from any being or any mind state, we can um, do this with um, 
other kinds of energies that are hard to fathom. Um, so, so on the other side of the spectrum would be hateful energies um, or actions, you know, hatred, violence, um, hurt, harm, causing harm to others. Uh, so when we have a thought like, how could this other person over there do such a thing? So it's a different kind of um, trajectory or a different kind of um, intention because I'm not wanting to embody a hateful energy, for instance. Um, as a practice, I'm not wanting to like learn this, right? But I'm wanting to at least see if I have this question, how could this other person over there do this thing? I want to at least be able to be unafraid enough to see that this other person over there is also me. It's also me. One consciousness phasing through many beings. And actually, um, you know, just on the topic of the danger of becoming such a, um, like a hateful energy, uh, when we don't recognize how this is me, this other person over there that's doing this horrible thing, when we don't recognize how this is me. That's, that's more dangerous. That's more dangerous. That's when it comes out um, sideways through us. Hopefully not something too horrible, but it's all in there. It's all in there. So this um, beginning to this talk came from uh, deciding to look a little more into uh, Maha Gosananda's life a bit earlier today. And in looking into Maha Gosananda's life, so this is a monk whom I mentioned uh, several weeks ago and said, oh, I didn't know very much about this person, but um, except that he's awesome. <laughs> and he did a lot of um, courageous things. So in looking into this person's life, Maha Gosananda, um, I will say that I am still trying to fathom. I am still sensing into this person's state of mind. This person's state of mind as he... Um, made so many courageous actions. Courageous actions and didn't seem to have the um, kinds of considerations that I might have about um, safety, 
tongue. And somehow was able to, I think through an unusual kind of uprightness or heart perhaps, I don't know. I don't know. Um, embody something that I'm interested in. Mm. And so this becomes a kind of koan for me. Mm. What is this energy? Can I fathom it? Can I fathom it? Can I stay with this until the layers that are keeping me from fathoming it drop away or even to some extent so that I might know personally through my own experience I don't believe I'll ever do some of the things he did go into a country where a hostile regime is still in charge and do peace walks or pass out leaflets saying, oh, you can have asylum with me and angering governments and yeah. So I don't mean to say that I think I'll ever personally be doing like that particular action, but this this kind of mind state that can have a clarity about um, promoting peace or um, the well-being of others and take the action that um, one is inspired to take in a fearless way without that kind of, without the fear in the way. The extra fear that is still in me and does not seem to have been in Maha Gosananda. I still know very little about this person, in part because my journey of fathoming this mind state um, includes taking in some of the villains in the story, you know, Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge and those atrocities, um, and what Mahagosananda was facing and holding. Um, and feeling. Yeah, I feel like there was a second half of that sentence, but it, it's all of a piece. It's all of a piece. And so that for me is why the, um, the details of the story, like I can't do the one without the other. <laughs> this, this talk was never going to be a, um, like a dry history lesson. So, you know, I read through a few things. There's a tricycle article written in 2009, which is two years after Maha Gosananda's death, which I think has some good information. And, you know, I think Wikipedia is not bad, always a good source. So that's, those are my sources for now. So one of the thing, one of the parts of Mahagosananda's story was that he was out of the country when some of the worst of the atrocities happened in Cambodia. 
And he, um, in returning to the country at one point, he cashed in a ticket that someone had give him, given him, a ticket to France. And he cashed it in, and with that money, he printed 40,000 leaflets, pamphlets, to hand out in Cambodia. And so, um, so what was written on these leaflets? So it turns out it was the Metta Sutta. The Metta Sutta, the very one that we've been chanting. You know, I don't know what translation, and um, not into English even, so definitely not that one. <laughs> I'm laughing in part because Maha Gosananda sp uh, spoke many, many languages, and um, uh, was seen by some as crazy. As, as like mentally like not not quite there um, and yet right so which lends to this whole contemplation of um, sanity and insanity and our judgments there our judgments there he um there was one story I read where he was to give a talk at a conference of some sort and the organizers were kind of freaking out because it was an English-speaking audience, and he was determined to give the talk in French. Um, and just really clear that people would listen better if they didn't understand what he was saying. They'd pay attention better. And the storyteller, the writer of this um, tricycle article I mentioned earlier, 2009 article, um, it comes up right away if you Google Maha Gosananda. Um, you know, said the organizers were like begging him to like, please like explain to Maha Gosananda why this is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he gave that talk in French anyway. So he had his, um, his own way about him and his own clarity. But anyhow, so he passed out these leaflets and on the leaflets or on the pamphlets was the, the Metta Sutta. And maybe some explanation or some further teaching. But So I looked up the Metta Sutta again and found a, um, a different version than the one we're chanting. So there's, there's um, you know, when we study any sutra, um, and by the way, metta sutta, we say sutta because of the uh, language it's translated from. But sutta and sutra, it's, a, it's the same um, word. <laughs> mm, so when we study these, and, and we're doing a kind of study anytime we're chanting something regularly, um, looking at different translations is... Um, is a tool. Because when we hear a different translation, you know, there's different, different facets get um, light shown on them. See things in a different way. So I'm going to read 
um, kind of read, kind of comment this other one I found that I like. Mm. So this is translated by um, Ratna Prabha, and I don't know who that is. If you know what is truly good for you and understand the possibility of reaching a state of perfect peace, then this is how you need to live. You know what is truly good for you and understand the possibility of reaching a state of perfect peace, then this is how you need to live. Start as a capable person who is upright, parenthetical note, really upright, gently spoken, flexible, and not conceited. Then become contented and happy with few worries and an uncomplicated life. Make sure your sense experience is calm and controlled. Be duly respectful and don't hanker after families or groups, and avoid doing anything unworthy that wiser people would criticize. Then meditate like this. May all beings, excuse me, may all be happy and secure. May all beings become happy in their heart of hearts. And think of every living thing without exception, the weak and the strong, from the smallest to the largest, whether you can see them or not, living nearby or far away, beings living now or yet to arise, May all beings become happy in their heart of hearts. May no one deceive or look down on anyone, anywhere, for any reason, whether through feeling angry or through reacting to someone else. May no one want another to suffer. As strongly as a mother, perhaps risking her life, cherishes her child, her only child, develop an unlimited heart for all beings. Develop an unlimited heart of friendliness for the entire universe, sending metta above, below, and all around, beyond all narrowness, beyond all rivalry, beyond all hatred. Whether you are staying in one place or traveling, sitting down or in bed, in all your waking hours rest in this mindfulness, which is known as like living in heaven right here and now. 
In this way, you will come to let go of views, be spontaneously ethical, and have perfect insight. And leaving behind craving for sense pleasures, from the rounds of rebirth, you will finally be completely free. So that's that, that translation of the Metta Sutta. Uh, and I think I'm, I like it in part because uh, it feels uh, clearly instructive, clearly instructive in a way that resonates with me. So this first paragraph, um, if you know what is truly good for you and understand the possibility of reaching a state of perfect peace, and this is how you need to live, this, um, this is starting with, it's starting the sutra with calling to our deepest intentions. Mm-hmm. It says, if you understand that this is a possibility, well, we do. Um, but sometimes we need to remind ourselves that that um, we do <laughs> understand that this mind state, perfect peace or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> is a possibility. Reaching this state of perfect peace or um, enlightenment. And uprightness is mentioned in the next paragraph. And it's part of the name of our group, so important to me too. Upright to me means uh, having integrity, thoroughgoing integrity. Well, that is what I'm going to say tonight. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. We'll close out this portion of tonight's program by doing the four principles of practice.